0: Hi, I'm Rod Pahofsky. This is Respecting Health. This is really a pilot episode for this podcast series and just a little bit of a preview of what's to come. I've worked in the health field for 20 years now, and that's, that's really hard to believe. But I've learned a lot, and it's mostly from the perspective of information technology. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Information technology is the core of healthcare. It's an information dependent business line of work. And I had exposure to a lot of different perspectives and the different priorities and the capabilities of the different individuals who are trying to improve health using technology. But I had exposure too to the provider world and payers, the supply chain. Pharmaceuticals, technologists, policymakers, and even patients. But I've got opinions that I could rarely share because I was working for some company. And now through this, I can share my opinions and I can bring you people the voices of people who have opinions too. The reality of all of these different perspectives that these people have and the different bubbles that fail to acknowledge or talk to each other really exposes how many different priorities there are when you talk about the idea of health. We can focus on human health and health care, but we can also talk about the health of our environment and of our societies. And while people aren't always the best at agreeing on the focus points, there are a lot of people who are dedicated to changing the way we look at health and the way we deal with it. But to what end? What does the future actually look like? What's the strategy? What are the tactics to get there? One of the biggest failures that any project manager can tell you is that if a company fails to have a a clear strategy – If there isn't a vision that everybody understands, then none of the staff, none of the different divisions of the organization know how to align or create their tactics that help support that strategy or vision. It's a recipe for disaster. So we need to do that when we talk about transforming health or improving health. What does that actually look like? And who's responsible for it? Now, while this program originates from the U.S., I'll be the first to say health is a global issue, and I want to respect that. The COVID pandemic is a timely example of that. We've all just been through that. We still are, in a lot of ways, affected by COVID, and now people with long COVID. The health of our planet is an even bigger issue. Climate change, for example, affects our physical health. It also affects our water and our electrical and our other infrastructures. It has something to do with human migration patterns, social and political processes. And these are huge issues that force us to examine or re-examine our values and our priorities. Oh, and and I almost forgot. Climate change has a lot to do with where our food comes from and whether we have a food supply. Where do our human capabilities and responsibilities lie. Well, I'm really curious about this. And through the Respecting Health podcast, I'm going to be talking to a real wide variety of people with different perspectives on the health of people and our societies and the planet. I want to find out what people in and outside of the healthcare system think. What about different generations, young people, cultures? What are they working on? Significant change often comes from outside. A broken system is not always equipped to fix itself, especially when systemic change is truly required. And I'm really serious, too, about wanting to hear from young people. Uh, You know, we have a tendency to talk about the youth is our future. Well, we never talk to them. We rarely care what they think. We expect people who are 15 and 20 and 25 years old to come into an already broken system or a system that's just not going to meet their needs in their their futures. We have to create systems that continuously evolve to meet the needs of how society is changing. So in the first episode of this podcast, we'll start with a conversation with Dr. Carlos Torelli, He's based at the University of Illinois, and he has expertise in global branding, cross cultural -cultural consumer behavior, self regulation, and persuasion. And in this excerpt, we talked about individualist versus collectivist societal approaches and how that can affect values.
1: Culture kind of shapes the extent to which we're more likely to constantly think, either independently or interdependently. And and that's kind of one of the most basic distinctions in in, in cross-cultural research is this notion between individualism, which is that tendency that people have in their cultures to think about themselves independently versus collectivism, which is the tendency that we have across situations to think about ourselves interdependently. So then starting from that, you start building certain desirable end states or values that we all kind of have. You know, we all have a variety of values. There are different frameworks to classify the different types of values that humans have. Uh, but they can be, again, divided broadly into categories of values. One category, which is desirable end states associated with my independent self, which is like, uh, self reliance or enjoying being by myself enjoying the outdoors enjoying you know exciting things it's it's that that notion of i can do my own things and nobody dictates what i do i'm free i'm independent that's a type of value that is very independent centered the other one is is based on achievement success you know how do i elevate myself how do i become proud of myself. So those are types of values that are more associated with an independent view of the self. Then you have the type of values that are more interdependent in nature, you know, values of helping others, being benevolent toward others, being, you know, egalitarian in your treatment of others, treating people fairly. And then there are values that are related to protection of the group, like being safe, uh, not having... Social arguments, or, or arguments that that deal with that that disrupt your social links with people. You know, the notion of being congenial, the notion of being looking for harmony. Uh, you know, those are desirable in states that are more associated with uh, the interdependent self. So, so then cultures start by shaping yourselves, which self you kind of are gonna be sampling from more during the day. You know, thinking more in this individualistic or collectivistic terms. And then they're gonna start also to push you in what are the desirable end states for this self that you want, which is more of the self-reliance or achievement or status seeking, which is more of the individualistic aspect or more of the, you know, harmony seeking, safety for my group or myself and, or, you know, harmony with others or egalitarianism or, social justice with others, helping others. That's more of the collectivistic. So, and then from there, everything kind of then, you, you use that in different contexts. Uh, and in different contexts, then you either bring your individualistic self and values or your collectivistic self and values. And and then culture kind of shapes, again, what's the likelihood that, that these values are gonna be brought to the fore. Uh, but it's not like culture is always super, perfect predictor of what you do.
0: So that full interview is coming up in the next episode of Respecting Health. In another episode, you'll hear my conversation with Dr. Charles Alessi. He's a London-based physician, and he's an advisor to health systems and governments. And among other things, we talked about the role of culture in the approach to health,
2: I think the biggest um, mistake I've seen repeated uh, over 20, 30 years is people ignoring those cultural relationships. So, um, so I think I think the likelihood um, uh, uh, is that it's more, it's really dangerous to ignore the fact that healthcare needs to be contextualised within a culture and within a society. Um, We've seen some real examples of this. People, for example, taking technology, technological solutions, which work in one jurisdiction, transferring them to another and being terribly surprised where nothing happens. They're not taken up. And a lot of that is is related to culture. Um, And I think it's it's a bigger debate and a bigger issue than what we understand by Kaja, it's not only associated with, for example, people's perception of mental health, uh, pe- which of course has to be contextualised perhaps even more than other conditions, um, uh, but also around the way people respond to assistance, respond to engagement, uh, uh, and, and also their understanding of their responsibilities to a state. Now, this is actually quite complicated because what I'm saying is that a a citizen has responsibilities to himself or herself uh, and their family and their carers, um, but also in some jurisdictions feel they have responsibility to the state, uh, which means in essence, um, that um, uh, their behavior is altered by the fact uh, that the state is expecting them to do something.
0: Do you have any examples of that?
2: Well, I mean, you don't need to go very far. and um, uh, uh, in, 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 Sorry, dig very deep, because you can see that easily. A typical example would be Japan. Um, uh, in Japan, for example, there is a history of low vaccination. Um, uh, and this is something which has always, you know, it's always been there over... Well, it is a century or so, perhaps, because vaccination hasn't been around for many centuries. But um, uh, so the Japanese tend not to get vaccinated quite as much, both childhood vaccinations and older people's vaccinations in particular, things like herpes zoster, and now, of course, COVID and everything else. And with the COVID pandemic, uh, it was really noticeable that um, uh, older people were not being vaccinated when they really needed to be vaccinated. And it was really difficult to actually change that really societal way of working until um, uh, uh, the state determined that what it needed to do was really talk to all the people about their responsibilities to the state. And they responded really quite quickly and vaccination uh, rates went up really quite quick because they felt they shouldn't be a burden on the state. Now that, that wouldn't happen in a lot of Western countries,
0: Okay, so both of those interviews are coming up in future episodes, uh, which will be coming out soon. I really hope you'll join me in this journey. I don't have all the answers. Um, I've got some ideas and I've got opinions. And I hope that, you know, you'll tell me when I'm wrong or you disagree. Is there a person or an organization you'd like to hear from? Is there a topic you'd like covered? You can write to me at Feedback at respectinghealth.com. That's feedback at respectinghealth.com. I'm excited about this project. I hope you are, too. Again, please join me. I'm Rod Pohovsky. See you next time on Respecting Health.